0: are listening to Waffle the Bite-sized Podcast with Paul Jenkins. First broadcast on Rossendale Radio on the 26th of April 2020. This week, Paul talks superheroes, punk and poetry
1: with writer Neil Zetter. 104.7
0: Rossendale.
1: Welcome back to 104.7 Rossendale Radio. It's Paul Jenkins here with The Weekend Winddown. And I have on the phone Neil Zetter. Can you hear me? I can hear you, Paul. Hello. Good morning. How are you? I'm all good, thank you. Whereabouts are you joining us from today? I'm finding I'm from London. I live in
0: Chingford, in London E4, which is just on the Essex border, but just hanging in London, in the borough of Waltham Forest.
1: Absolutely. Well, well, my family are from round that round that way, uh, Woodford Green, Walthamstow, all that sort of area. So okay. uh, uh, we uh, my my great-grandad used to used to uh, go and uh, visit there all the time. So I know that I know the A13 corridor very well. <laughs>
0: Okay, brilliant. Okay, well,
1: good to be here anyway. Uh, now, Neil, you've uh, you're a, a poet who's who's published countless pieces of work in in some in anthologies, mostly in your own work, uh, and you've been doing this for, for quite a while now. Uh, but I've been I read through your biography, and before before you came to poetry or you came to poetry as a living, uh, you you did a you had a you had a proper job. You were working 25 years in senior management, weren't you?
0: Absolutely. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I used. To, I mean, I started when I left school uh, working in local government for my own local authority, which is Wolverine Forest. And um, I used to work in the HR department or personnel as it was called then. But um, because I'm always been a creative type, I used to start writing a lot of the recruitment adverts. Um, yeah, which is quite creative. So copywriting, of course, is yeah. cool. And then I moved over to the leisure department in about 1981, which was mm. promoting all the council's um, sports facilities, leisure services, uh, entertainments. Um, so that was kind of being creative. I used to commission people to design brochures and leaflets for the council as well um, on those facilities. And then um, 1989, I moved over to Westminster, uh, to Westminster Council oh, right. uh, in central London. And I did the same thing, but for the whole council. But of course, I was already writing. I've been writing poems since I was six years old. When I moved over to Westminster, um, I was right in the centre of Comedy Land, of hundreds course. of the comedy clubs up London. So in the evenings, um, after work, a bit like, changing into superman in a telephone <laughs> i used to change to super poet although not everybody thinks i'm super poets so i'm just poet um but i used to change into a super poet and, and go out and perform in west end comedy clubs in the evening and did that for many many years
1: and this is i think do you do you find this that when um i mean you you possibly have this more uh, over time is that people sometimes look at people writing poetry is very much as a hobby uh where, which is what it was for you probably at that time but when was that moment where you thought this is what i'm doing in the evenings how how do you kind of get that mental thing of i'm going to switch this over this is going to become my career
0: well i started writing poems when i was six years old i mean i really did and i've never ever stopped since then um, although a lot of the poems when I was in my teens come out as lyrics as song lyrics because I'm a big music fan as yeah. we'll find out later <laughs> um, but when I got to about 18, 19 I thought I really want to try and do something with these poems I really wanted to reach a wider audience so I started to publish my own little books yeah. uh, which were sort of cheap affairs uh, one of my friends used to have this massive photocopier as he worked for a local printer and he used to do them for me fairly cheap yeah. and I used to just sell them to friends and family mainly at gunpoint um, <laughs> to a few local shops as well. But again, I thought I want to do a little bit more than this because I think most people that are poets, um, certainly if they wish to reach a wider audience like myself, it's frustrating just doing that. But I was never quite sure how I could reach a wider audience. And then um, I used to get Time Out magazine, the days when you had to pay for it.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: And they used to have a poetry section. And in that, there was um, an advert for um, poets wanted to perform at a club called the Hard Edge Club. OK. Uh, and that was in the middle of Soho, 1989, right by the Windmill Theatre, actually, right right next to it. Yeah. Uh, in 1989. And I contacted the guys that ran it through the advert and they said, well, come along. And literally, as soon as I went along there and stood up and started to read my poems, I got the bug and thought, I've, I've just got to do this. I want to do this. I want to reach more people. Um, I feel I've got something to say. I feel I can say it in a way that interests other people, which I think is the key thing it's not just having something to say, but to say it in a way that other people can relate to it and understand it. Um, and it really went from there. And
1: Because every, everyone can talk in front of other people in some way or another, but, but knowing when you, that you have that buzz when you come off that what you said people wanted to hear um and, and i should imagine it in those uh, sort of early times it was maybe five or ten minute slots you were doing you know sharing Absolutely. maybe one or two poems um but now of course if you're if you're running an event people you know want to want to hear because you've, you've got a bigger back catalogue of, of stuff i mean how many books have you published now well i've published eight books which yeah. are all
0: children's books uh, i've written my next four books as well coming out from two different publishers over the next uh three or four years, literally over three or four years, because I try and get a book out a year. Yeah. And of course, you have to get on a publisher's roster as well. They've got other books to be published. But mm-hmm. uh, I've got agreement to publish the next uh, four books over the next three or four years. Um, but I've written about 900 poems in my time and I've written hundreds of adult poems, too. It's just mm. that adults generally don't buy poetry books. Or if <laughs> they, do, they just sit on the coffee table and nobody really reads them. Um, so uh, it's really the children's market that is absolutely booming at the moment. There's some great children's poets around. Despite Kindle's, children's uh, book sales are booming and children's poetry books are booming, and it figures big on the curriculum. Um, So um, the answer to that is is hundreds and hundreds of poems, but the books, um, eight published at the moment and and, and, uh, four more on the way, but all aimed at the children's market. Although I do find that lots of parents buy them and enjoy them as well, and I do try and make sure that, um, there's plenty of my books for parents, too,
1: not just not just for children. I find I find performing uh, children's poetry to adults to be really rewarding, actually, because uh, they I think they get a break, of it, especially if, if you go to a, a, po- a poetry evening and you've got some, some sometimes some really dark themes that are coming out. And then you stand up there and do a poem about badgers farting or something. It's 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 actually quite nice for people. <laughs> oh, absolutely.
0: Absolutely. And, 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 you know, I think we're obviously kids love listening to adult poems for all kinds of reasons and i've got some poems that are a bit blue but i mean i wouldn't do them on air <laughs> and i wouldn't do them to the wrong audience i mean they're very much for comedy clubs but i've just got lots of poems that are more for adults because they're about adult topics so i've got a poem about coffee you know most children don't drink coffee not younger children mm. obviously too do. Um, but kids are always really interested when you say adult poem because they think it's going to be rude, even if it isn't. Um, and I think for adults listening to children's poems, I think we're all children at heart, aren't we? I mean, we all like, or lots of us like Star Wars or Doctor Who or, you know, lots of kids' programs or Harry Potter, whatever it might be. And um, so long as we can open up the child in us, I think we can enjoy children's poems as well. So, although I've actually labelled them, I think maybe it's good not to label poetry as adults or children's or teens. Just, it is what it is and hopefully we can like it and enjoy it. Uh,
1: have you got something you might uh,
0: be able to share for us to start off, Neil? Yeah, I've got um, I've got a poem here which I'm going to read, um, which is from my um, Here Come the Superheroes book, um, Raps and Rhymes to Save the Galaxy is the subtitle. <laughs> and it's a book full of poems um, all about Uh, superheroes and the superhero genre which I've uh, created out of my own head the characters that is Um, obviously I can't write about Marvel or DC characters because copyright Um, now the the interesting thing with this particular poem and the reason why I picked it because it started off as an adult poem in about 1989 1990 uh, that I was reading in comedy clubs then when I started working in schools more regularly in the mid-90s late 90s early noughties, I started to to teenagers, and, and they really enjoyed it. So then I thought I'd try it in primary schools, and in, in the early noughties and the mid-teens, I tried it in primary schools, and the younger kids liked it. So now, um, it's in my children's book, and um, <laughs> again, hopefully it's fairly universal in its appeal. And this is about my new girlfriend. Ah. Um, she's with me today, I always tell the children, and I'm a married <laughs> man, so they look at me aghast in the class. Oh, my goodness. They go, goodness! Wh- where, where, where is, where is your, where is your, where is your girlfriend? And I say she's over there, and they can't see her. And I say, well, that's because I'm going out with the invisible lady. Ah. I to her for a date. <laughs> I'm going out with the invisible lady. She said she'd meet me at eight, but she's making me wait. She's one hour late. Though I couldn't find her if I was standing behind her. I'm going out with the invisible lady. what she looks like, I don't know. I'm going out with the Invisible Lady. I could so easily tread on her toe. i leave without her when we go to the cinema or to a show. It is quite apparent my girlfriend's transparent. I'm going out with the Invisible Lady. I walked right through her last night. I'm going out with the Invisible Lady. I can't see her, though it's broad daylight, like a polar bear on a background of white. She's out of my sight. The torture I've been through, because my girlfriend's see-through... I'm going out, the invisible lady, though we've never met face to face. I'm going out, the invisible lady. She could be standing in this very place, though all you say is empty space. Don't say I'm a nutcase. My girlfriend's invisible, it's true. She just vanishes into the blue. I'm going out, the invisible lady. I'm still waiting here on my own. I'm going out, the invisible lady. It looks like one more evening alone. She's got no skin and bones. but She still could have phoned, I guess. I know in her future plans. Perhaps she's ran off with the Invisible
1: Man. There you go. Oh, that's that's a that's a cracking end. I, there's there's some of those rhymes in there that you're thinking. I just love it. when when a, when a poet gets a, a a rhyme. You think where are they going with this? And it was the apparent with transparent that well, I really that really hooked on me that one. <laughs>
0: yeah i mean always going to be nervous that people can see some of the rhymes coming but obviously when you write lots of poems there's always going to be some rhymes that are predictable but so yeah the best ones of course are always the ones that are just um inspirational when you write they just pop in your head and they tend to be the ones that are a little bit smarter and, and people can't guess so quickly and uh of course, that uh, creates a lot more interest in the poem when that's
1: the case. Well, I tell you what, we'll, we'll come on to that if that's all right. right. Uh, we've Very quickly, I've, I've just I really looked at the time and realised how long we've been talking in this first section, Neil. I could talk to you all day. Uh, we've, uh, w- what we're going to do is uh, we're going to go to one of your music choices now. Uh, okay. And then what we'll do is we'll probably have a chat about uh, why you've chosen this particular song uh, when we come back after it's finished. You've chosen okay. London Calling by The Clash. Thank you. Welcome back to the weekend wind down. It's Paul Jenkins here, and we're talking to Neil Zetter. Uh, we just heard "London Calling" by the Clash, and uh, this was one of your your first choice, uh, Neil. What? Uh, and you immediately went to the Clash first of all. What? What was it that drew you to them?
0: Oh, well, uh, I mean, I love their music, and um, I, I kind of grew up. I mean, I'm 60 years old. i was 60 last October, and I, I grew up um, on the sort of Beatles and Stones, uh, hearing them, but not really being into them because I was only a wee lad ten eleven when the Beatles split up Um, and then I really got into the whole glam rock scene about 1973 I think it was Elton John playing crocodile rock which was the first bit of music that really kind of switched me into it Mm. but I was a young man or teenager and I couldn't really get into it like you want to get into it when you're 13 years old like going to gigs etc and wearing all the gear I was too young so I thought I kind of missed the boat and then punk rock came along and I thought wow this is it I was 17 18 uh, and I threw myself into it. Um, I didn't actually wear all the gear, but uh, <laughs> I, loved them. I loved the music. I was the first person in my sixth form to buy any punk records. And I went to lots of punk gigs. And um, The Clash, I particularly um, picked this record because, one, I think The Clash were the best punk band and one of the best bands for me ever. Two, uh, myself and my wife have been together 41 years now, and it was the first Christmas present that she bought me, Christmas night.
1: She 19- bought you London Calling.
0: She did, she bought the
1: album, that
0: was our first Christmas together, and uh, she bought me that, I've still got it, Um, obviously digitalised now.
1: You you Um, chose (laughs) (laughs) well.
0: Ah, okay, good man. Also, also, I mean, I live in London, Um, 99% of my work is in London, I do work outside of London, of course, but most of my work is in London, I love London, I've got poems about London, and um, I think the other thing is, uh, I mean, I love Joe Strummer, of course he's, he's, he's no longer with us, I saw one of his last gigs in London, Um, And I think um,
1: the punk ethic, the punk ethos is still very, very much what I do in my poetry. Well, I I, I was going to I was going to ask you about that, actually, because there's because that that kind of performance and writing process. And I find there's a massive crossover between songwriting and lyricism and poetry (laughs) and fiction writing. And I mean, what's what's your approach when you're if somebody comes to you and says, right, we'd like you to write you, for example, you know, your next four books. What's what's the plan? How do you sort of go about organising your brain and your ideas together?
0: Well, there's a couple of things. I mean, first of all, I've always got a list of all the poems uh, that possibly I could write. Obviously, we're we're only doing audio here, but I could show you the list that's on my iPad. When I think of an idea, I just jot it down, and and literally, it might be, you know, banana, uh, telephone box, um, I don't know, lockdown, and I just write (laughs) one one word on my iPad, uh, and I just keep this long list, and it's a very, very long list. Um, And uh, if you scroll down it, it takes about a minute, i show it to kids in class um, so there were the ideas but of course every now and then yes you need to write a book so what i try and do is pull them together and theme them because i think there's a lot of poetry books out there that are just mixed anthologies and i've got one or two of those as well and they've sold a lot of copies and i'm very pleased with them but i think if you can often group your poems your poetry book then stands out a little bit more so for example i've got my superheroes book i've got my super villains book I've got one which I've done with Josh Siegel, who I know was on your program a yes. few weeks ago, which is Yuck and Yum, which is all mm. funny food poetry. Mm. Um, I've got one uh, that's on uh, animals, gorilla ballerina. So I, I do try and group them because I think then your, your own book stands out a little bit more um, in the bookshop, maybe if people are looking at it on the shelf. Um, and also, it's, I think it's a bit more of a challenge to write lots of poems all on a similar topic. So they're kind of my main aims And in terms of um, how I get the ideas The ideas are just based on experience Things that I see, places I go to Often things kids say to me when I'm in schools Things I hear on the tube Things I hear parents say outside of the school gates Or teachers in the staff room <laughs> yeah, Things I see on telly I've written a few lockdown poems at the moment Because it's an experience that I'm going through So, um, And I guess lots of writers write like that
1: it's it's having the eyes and ears i think to to be able to pick those things out and there's that occasionally people will say things to you and you think you know what i really wish i had a pen right now because that's (laughs) i need to get out of the situation i am in because you want to run off and write the poem about it don't you (laughs) you you do
0: but i think the the key thing is once you've got the idea is to be able to express it in a way that people can understand your point and can relate to it i think it's a bit like jokes and comedy Mm. i would say that the funniest comics are the ones it's not necessarily the way they tell the joke, or that's a big part of it or, or what the joke's about, but it's, it's that ability for people to listen to it and think, I know exactly what they mean. Yeah, to be
1: able and to bring a room I together... To yeah absolutely absolutely um i think it's uh i think we we've had too much of a breakaway from from your poems actually let's uh, have we got, have, have you got some something for us uh, that's uh we, we talk about that sort of universal kind of uh speaking to everybody well so what what, what, have you, what have you got in the bag for us yeah
0: i mean i've got this one here which is uh called claude le croissant um, <laughs> uh, this is from, from yuck the and yum, yuck and yum is it yeah uh, yeah i mean I, I wrote this one um because um, I'm, I'm not particularly good at French, but I quite like playing with words, and I know a few French words, so um, I've, I've chucked some French words into this, and um, lots of kids love croissants, um, adults as well, obviously, um, so hopefully this has got quite a wide appeal, and um, this is called Je m'appelle Claude Le Croissant, and Je m'appelle," for those that don't know, just means I am, or my name is, my name is in French, so it goes like this, Je m'appelle Claude Le Croissant, the alternative to bread, Why bore yourself with sandwiches? Just purchase me instead. Jumapel, Claude Le Croissant. For your breakfast, lunch or tea, my body shapes a crescent moon or like the letter C. You can stuff me with a salad. You can eat me with cheese spread. You can sprinkle me with almonds then shake sugar on my head. I travelled here by Eurostar from somewhere in the Med. Jumapel, Claude Le Croissant. I'm neither bun nor cake, soft and flaky. I'm the pastry that's the tastiest of bakes. Je m'appelle Claude Le Croissant. I'm the favoured food of France. Other does try to outdo me, but they never stand a chance. You can cover me with butter. You can smother me with jam. You can serve me with salami. You can fill me up with ham. Your companion from the continent. Remember who I am. Je m'appelle Claude Le Croissant. Start of your patisserie. If you bite me and you like me, shout out, We, we, we.
1: There you go. Wee -wee (laughs) Which everybody's probably laughing at. Wee wee as you finish. Which
0: of course means
1: yes in French. It indeed, like yes. That that's listening. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't stop it being funny for English people. Speaking from English is, uh, is one of my favourite pastimes. Ah, fantastic. I started A-level French until my French teacher took me to one side and said, if it was about speaking French, I think you'd probably get away with it. But occasionally we have to write it down too, and I just couldn't. <laughs> I, couldn't I couldn't nail French grammar at all. So, uh, so he, he, he diverted me back to theatre studies, which I did a lot better at. <laughs> brilliant <laughs> um we're going to take uh, we're going to take another music break now we've got um marina and the diamonds uh, which is someone we've not played on rossendale radio before um so do you want to in- introduce Mowgli's road for us yeah i mean the reason why i picked this um i mentioned punk being a fantastic craze
0: i mean i've lived for a few a few crazes after punk i was into Britpop, pop and difficult not to choose an oasis or a blur song i must admit for this but i only had three songs to pick um and another massive craze that i got into was the big indie revival um in the early noughties going into the early teens and there was fantastic songwriters around at that time that sprung up who are still around, people like Florence and the Machine, I was very much into Kate Nash, Fantastic Words, Emmy the Great, I'm a big fan of, and bands like the Arctic Monkeys, Franz Ferdinand, White Stripes, uh, and I think Marina and the Diamonds is the finest songwriter out of all of them. I mean, She's had three number one albums, uh, fantastic songs, and I particularly picked this track, one, because I love it, <laughs> two, because... It's actually about, if you listen to the words, which are very clever, of course, paralleling it to the uh, the Jungle Book and Mowgli facing yeah. the fork in the road. It's very much about her own musical career and a decision to, well, do I do this or don't I do this? I want to get into music. I want to get into show business. Um, and uh, as I say, she parallels that against Mowgli's dilemma with the roads that he faced. Um, in the jungle book and you know being a poet being a writer we will discuss some of this Uh, i had decisions like that in my career as well so that's the reason why i picked it
1: okay this is marina and the diamonds Welcome back to The Weekend Wind Down. It's Paul Jenkins and the final part of my interview this afternoon with poet Neil Zetter. Now, Neil, we were talking a little bit earlier on uh, and you mentioned about your superheroes and supervillains uh, work that you've done. Uh, and I think you've actually you're running a competition at the moment with the Reading Realm app. Is that right?
0: Absolutely. Yeah. The Reading Realm is an app um, for children and for schools and teachers, um, which really encourages children uh, to read, uh, to enjoy literacy uh, and to develop their reading and writing styles. Um, and uh, it is an app. If you uh, look at their Facebook site, it's Reading Realm on Facebook. And you can go to the likes page and you'll see that Ian Eagleton, um, who is the guy behind it all, who's a teacher and an educationalist, education consultant, um, he actually hosts a show, a live show through the Facebook likes site on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And yes, we're currently running um, a competition for children to write their own superhero poem based on, or a supervillain based on a superhero or a super villain that they can create out of their own head. So not one that we know from the movies or from comics or graphic novels, but a brand new one. Um, And that's uh, all all explained really if you go to uh, the Facebook page.
1: And I think they can win copies of your books, is that correct?
0: that's right yeah uh, the winner will win either and they can choose a signed and dedicated copy of super villains or of superheroes they they can pick whichever they want
1: which is brilliant i i, I I've, I've had a a, a very quick uh, browse through some of the ones that you've been sharing online at the moment and uh, there's some there's some fascinating powers that i think you've managed to get i think that's the trick with a superhero or or, or villain is that they're actually working out what their power is going to be uh, because they've all got something attached to them haven't they <laughs>
0: Oh, absolutely. And my kids often say to me, if I'm running um, a a similar session in a school, they might say to me, well, how do I think of a superhero or a supervillain? I say, well, think of their power, because so many superheroes or supervillains have got their powers uh, the name built around their powers. You know, the Flash is the Flash because he's fast. Spider-Man yep. is Spider-Man
1: because he's spidery. And Squirrel know. Girl is the one that I always come back to. Is that Absolutely. if you? I mean, there's, 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 and this is a genuine. Uh, you know, you, you'll know this. You're a, a Marvel aficionado. No, no, it I don't is. Know, Neil. But you know, Squirrel Girl has the power to, you know, talk to and control squirrels. I mean, that's 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 a useful thing i think
0: that is a power i would love we get lots in our gardens so I'd, <laughs> i would love to be able to do that uh
1: now now this is your latest book um is uh, is gorilla ballerina and that's uh, we, we're into uh, we're into animal territory aren't we there we are
0: indeed yeah gorilla ballerina came out um last september i mean i try and get a book out a year um at the start of school term and um it's uh, subtitled a bonkers book of animal poems uh and um there's about 50 poems in it all about animals all a bit wacky a bit crazy and again i've tried to uh, pick some more unusual animals or if they're common animals to give them a slightly more unusual predicament so um would you like me to do this one now i I was
1: gonna say which one are we hearing
0: Well, this one is an animal that I guess is fairly rare, but we all know of it. But it's got an unusual predicament. As human beings, we're quite fortunate because if we don't like one food, we can pick another food. There are Mm. loads of foods out there for us. But the poor anteater that doesn't like ants is really, (laughs) really in a bit of a predicament. So this is called My Ant Eater. My anteater's growing thinner, doesn't like ants for her dinner. Won't eat ants if boiled or roasted. Won't eat ants if baked or toasted. Won't eat ants if briskly fried up. Won't eat ants if slowly dried up. Ant burgers won't get a look in, nor will ant filled treacle pudding. Won't eat ants if mashed and mangled. Won't eat ants if lightly scrambled. Curried ants are far too spicy. Ant risotto's far too ricey. Won't eat ants with margarine on. Won't eat ants with double cream on. Won't eat ants with jam inside them, turns her nose up, just won't try them. Won't eat ants in Dijon mustard, dipped in cold vanilla custard. Won't eat ants in crispy batter, ketchup won't improve the matter. Won't eat ants with salt and pepper, cream cheese, Stilton, brie or feta. Won't eat ants in hot
1: fajitas. She's an anti-ant, ant eater. <laughs> She's an anti ant ant eater. Bit of a mouthful, that one. That's it. I was going to say you took your time on that last line. You can. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I did. I always slow down when I get to that last line. That's actually on my um YouTube channel as well, along with some other poems. If people want to check my stuff out.
1: Oh, fantastic! Plus, Where do we um, hit there?
0: Uh, it's uh, well, if you just search for Neil Zetter yep. on YouTube, then you'll, then you'll find four or five of my poems, and go to my channel, you, you, you'll find it all there.
1: I suppose there's not a lot of Zetters online, is it? You're, you're the only Zetter I've
0: met. <laughs> uh, the, the only thing is, I'm Neil N E A L. N-E-A-L. So I think if you just Google me, you'd probably get it self-corrected. But uh, I'm Neil with an A, -A N-E-A-L. And uh, my workshop site has got hundreds of free poems on which I'm really trying to push at the moment because um, obviously with schools um, in semi-lockdown and the nation in lockdown, um, people, teachers, children can access my poetry, whether it's in class or at home, and hopefully enjoy it for free. There's hundreds, literally hundreds of poems on my CCCP workshops dot co dot uk website cccp workshops dot co dot uk and of course people can follow me on twitter which is uh at nilzetta poet at nilzetta poet
1: uh, i'm i'm almost certain that the people of rossendale and beyond because uh, we have we have, we have uh, the good thing about uh radio now is that it's broadcast through the internet and we found we've got uh, listeners all over the the country rather than just in in the valley which is wonderful so uh we, we will certainly be directing people in your direction That's and uh, and i'll put the Thank links up on the uh, on the facebook page uh for the uh for, for uh, your site uh so that uh, people can uh, get in contact with you through rossendale radio as well now um, it, it has been absolute pleasure talking to you this afternoon uh um, we've got time for one more music choice before we disappear uh, and you've uh, you've taken the the, the kind of uh, the tempo down a little bit for this last one with she drew the gun
0: yeah absolutely now the reason why i picked this is um well it's it's a liverpool band which i guess a lot of the people aren't too familiar with she drew the gun uh they write great songs uh, they're a mixed boy girl band and they say so they come from liverpool my daughter's in liverpool and her fella at the moment and we go up to liverpool a lot and i absolutely love the city Um, And i picked this as well because um, I do spend a lot of time and always have done as a poet uh, and certainly um, when I was running my club as well, my my, um, Poetry and Spoken Word Club, um, trying to develop young poets and their talents. um, And I also used to have musicians coming along and try to help develop them too. So um, they are an up-and-coming band. I thought I would give them a good plug and hopefully people can discover them. Uh, She drew the gun and this particular song
1: of theirs is called um, Since You Were Not Mine. Thank you very much, Neil. We'll speak to you very soon. Okay, thank you.
0: 104.7 Rossendale Radio.
1: And so we come to the end of another Waffle The Bite Size podcast. My thanks go to Neil Zetter for coming on the show, chatting poetry and his love of music with us. Uh, and it was fantastic to hear him uh, talking about his books, particularly about his superhero poems and that brilliant poem about an anteater uh, and all the other animal poems. I, I strongly suggest going to check out CCCP workshops uh, online and uh, Neil will be uh, happy to help you, I'm sure, find out more. Uh, tune in next week for another great guest. So actually, we've got a selection of guests coming next week on the podcast and my thanks as ever go to Melanie Kemp to Lee Ball and to our colleagues at Rossendale Radio for all their help and work on production of Waffle the Bite Size podcast we will see you next week